This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Later in the programme, the 11th International Potato Congress being held in Ireland from May 31st to 2nd of June. Six international delegates to attend the conference. Mr Michael Hoey, President of the Irish Potato Federation, talks to Farm Talk. Gavin Carberry, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmer Association, tillage chairperson, on ways to avoid a winter fodder crisis developing. Mr. Kieran Collins, Chagask on tillage questions plus other topics. First, some updates, including our regular macro report with Mairead Tuig. First, dairy gold price. Dairy gold has increased the April quoted milk price by 4 cents per litre to 50.5 cents per litre based on standard constituents of 3.3% protein and 3.6% butterfat, inclusive of bonuses and VAT. This milk price equates to an average April farm gate milk price of 54.6 cents a litre based on average milk solids for April, achieved by Dairy Gold milk suppliers. The quoted milk price for April, based on EU standard constituents of 3.4% protein and 4.2% butterfat, is 55.1 cents per litre. A Dairy Gold company spokesperson commented that, quote, continued weak global supply and sustained demand for dairy ingredients has meant that markets have remained firm. This increase in milk price reflects strong dairy markets, but also recognises the significant increase in input costs for milk suppliers since the beginning of the year. As is customary, the Dairy Gold Board will continue to monitor markets closely and review milk price on a month-by-month basis. And that statement from Dairy Gold, Dairy Gold confirming the April milk price. The ICMSA Dairy Committee chairperson, Mr Noel Murphy, has repeated his plea for those benefiting most from fixed milk price schemes to recognise the, quote, crushing losses being suffered by participating farmers and to change the terms of the contracts in some way proportionate to the scale of the issue. Mr Murphy said it was only fair to recognise that some co-ops had moved to pay more to the farmers or to top up their FMP contracts. But he said the differentials we are looking at are still very significant and disastrous for farmers who effectively, he said, were being penalised for wanting to be safe and cautious. The terms of these contracts should and must be amended to reflect current market prices and rocketing input costs. Part of a lengthy statement there from the 
ICMSA National Dairy Committee Chairperson, Mr Noel Murphy. Over the next five years, the Minister for Agriculture has announced that €250,000 will be invested in the grassroots showing sector with the rolling out of a brand new class aimed at showcasing the best of beef breeding heifers. The new class will be administered by ISA, the Irish Shows Association. The Breeders' Choice class will be open to four or five breeding heifers in two separate classes, traditional breeds and continental breeds. Pedigree, as well as commercial heifers, are eligible for the classes. Over the course of the summer, more than 60 shows will benefit from the new class. The requirement for four- and five-star in-calf maiden heifers aligns to the aims of the Beef Data and Genomics Programme, BDGP, and the incoming Circular Carbon Efficiency Programme, SCBP, in the next cap to increase the number of those heifers in the circular herd. Four- and five-star animals in the circular herd can bring greater milk as well as overall efficiency to beef animals, the Minister believes. Commenting on the major investment in the show sector, Minister McConlogue said, the show network is the backbone of so many agri- and rural communities. The show season is now upon us, and the excitement of getting an animal ready for your local show is hard to beat. What is even more exciting is taking home a yellow, red or blue rosette. These are the marks of what makes a good animal a great animal. The Minister went on to say he was delighted to work with the Irish Shows Association on what he called this exciting multi-year and long-term investment. This, he said, was a commitment from him and his department to the show sector, to the quality of breeding cattle and to rural Ireland as a whole. He was looking forward to seeing the heifers and their owners in the new breeders' class at shows across the nation. It's also, he said, a commitment from the government to continue to back rural Ireland in any way they could. Mr Jim Harrison, Secretary of the Irish Shows Association, welcomed the announcement by Minister McConlogue. Mr Harrison said, We are delighted to have partnered with the Minister and the Department on this exciting new initiative and which will see a major investment made in our network of shows. Mr Harrison said it gives farmers, breeders and handlers great confidence in the show circuit going forward with this initial five-year investment in the Breeders' Choice class. He urged all farmers and handlers to get their quality four- and five-star heifers out and into the local show this summer to avail of this exciting new showing class. The Minister for Agriculture has announced the 2021 Green Low Carbon Agri-Environmental Scheme Gloss Balancing Payments and he said they'd commenced ahead of schedule this week. This means, he said, that over €23.7 million in balancing payments will be made this week to over 39,000 farmers who are participating in GLOSS. Commenting on the payments, Minister McConlogue said he was very pleased his department was commencing these GLOSS balancing payments ahead of schedule to over 39,000 farmers. The Minister said the latest payment of just under €24 million brought the total payments made to date under GLOSS to €1.1 billion and he was very pleased to offer extensions to GLOSS participants for the last two years so they could continue to be in the scheme. This investment, he said, will be surpassed in the coming cap where we had secured €1.5 billion for the flagship environmental scheme. He expects to be launching this scheme before the end of this year 
and he's offering farmers the opportunity to join then. The Minister said the balancing payment represents the final 15% of the 2021 payment and completes the total payment for gloss actions undertaken last year. Payments will continue to issue in outstanding cases on a regular basis. The Minister encouraged any farmers with queries in relation to gloss to direct them by email to gloss capitals at agriculture.gov.ie lowercase. The gloss division may be contacted by email at gloss, G-L-A-S, capitals at agriculture.gov.ie lowercase. IFA National Sheep Chairman Mr Kevin Comiskey led a delegation to meet Minister Heather Humphreys recently to put forward stronger measures needed to curb dog attacks. Kevin Comiskey said the persistent failure of the authorities had frustrated farmers who had suffered significant losses as a result of dog attacks. Kevin Comiskey said there had been a constructive discussion with Minister Humphreys who understood the issues and was committed, he said, to addressing farmers' concerns. Mr Comiskey said, this is a critical issue on sheep farms. Dog attacks cause unimaginable suffering for sheep and lambs and huge economic losses for farmers. IFA Environment and Rural Affairs Chair Mr Paul O'Brien said, the new condition under the nitrates derogation that grassland cannot be ploughed after May 31st is, quote, an ill-thought-out move, and he said it had been poorly communicated and needed to be reviewed. He said the 2022 nitrates derogation states that farmers who wish to plough grassland can only do so between March 1st and May 31st. The IFA and HSE's National Cancer Control Programme, NWCP, have teamed up to encourage farmers to be sun-smart and protect their skin from the sun to reduce their risk of skin cancer developing. To reduce the risk of skin cancer, farmers should organise their day so they are in the shade when UV ultraviolet rays are strongest from 11am to 3pm and they should always cover up with a hat. Next, the Macro Report. Hi John, it's Maureen here, Balancholic PRO and Shandoon PRO. Congratulations to Callan Makra who won the impromptu debating on Saturday, May 14th in Sligo. Well done to Glanmire Makra who were runners-up on the night and well done to Glanmire's Michael Buckley who won Best Debater. A group of Makra cyclists have been taking on the challenge of cycling from Mizzen to Mallon. Funds raised as part of the challenge will go towards the Irish Cancer Society Embrace Farm and make the move. Well done to all involved. Keep an eye on our club's social media pages to see what we're up to and new members are always welcome. Thank you. And thank you, Mairead. Mairead Tuig. Minister Hackett announces opening of next tranche of the Organic Processing Investment Grant Scheme. Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Senator Pippa Hackett, has announced on 17th of May that the next tranche of the Organic Processing Investment Grant Scheme is currently open and will close on 31st of July 2022. The Organic Processing Investment Grant Scheme aims to develop the organic sector, ensuring a consistent supply of high-quality organic produce to the market. The scheme provides funding to processors who wish to invest in developing facilities for the processing, preparation, grading, packing and storage of organic products, consequently providing them with an opportunity to enhance income outcomes. Announcing the opening of this tranche, Ms Hackett said, we had seen 380 new applicants to the organic farming scheme this year, 22, 
which was almost a 20% increase in application numbers to the scheme in comparison to last year 21. Altogether, Minister Hackett said, this means that just under 700 new farmers joined the scheme in the last year. Minister Hackett said that as the demand for organic produce continued to increase yearly, she was steadfast in her commitment to the development of the Irish organic industry by providing the necessary supports to producers and processors to meet market demands. And she said that funding of €1.2 million has been allocated to the scheme. Applicants can apply for grant aid for off-farm investments up to €700,000 on eligible expenditure. The scheme continues to open in tranches, this tranche being open up to 31st of July 2022. Copies of the terms and conditions of the grant scheme, together with application forms, are available from the Organic Farming Unit, Department of Agriculture, Food and Rural Development, Johnstown Castle, County Wexford, and also on the department's website. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association Tillage Chairperson, Mr Gavin Carberry. Gavin, welcome to the programme. Recently you've been calling for a tillage scheme to incentivise farmers to produce catch crops, but of course you say time is of the essence, and the sooner such a scheme would be announced the better. Would you outline to our listeners something of the type of scheme you would see as being most helpful and indeed the importance of getting this up and running very, very soon? Well, the type of scheme, thanks very much for having me on, John. The type of scheme that we envisage is uh, us and the Irish Cattle Sheep Farm Association, uh, we can see what our members are sort of scarcity coming in the back end of the year due to the, the harsh weather here in the spring along with uh, uh, less fertiliser being spread due to the cost. And we were uh, envisaging a scheme uh, along the lines of the tillage farmers would be cutting the winter barley from early July, and then they could go in then with with, uh, Italian ryegrass or Westerwald's grass. They'd get maybe €250 a hectare for that, and then, if not, even a, a fodder rape type of a crop of fodder turnips for grazing and 200 a hectare for that. So your organisation, the ICSA, is proposing an incentive of €250 Euro a hectare for tillage farmers growing this temporary crop of short rotation grasses for fodder production over the winter months and €200 Euro per hectare for those who grow catch crops capped at 50 hectares for each. And you did point out that, in fact, you'd be considering you know, partnering up tillage farmers, partnering up with dry stock or partnering with dairy farmers to provide fast-growing forage like uh, the ones you mentioned, western rolls or Italian ryegrass and, of course, a roll too for fodder rape and uh, stubble turps. So, in that respect, that's what you mean by a catch crop. That's what I mean by a catch crop. Now, the beauty of the grass is it can be ensiled in either bales or a pit and can be transported quite a distance from a tillage farm. The the catch crops itself, the fodder rape, the fodder turnips, they'd be grown on the farm, but most tillage farms would be of drier land, better quality land. They could take stock over the winter time. Uh, light heifers, light bullocks, weanlings, something like that, and alleviate the fodder shortage then come next winter. 
And your statement there, your coal has been driven by a potential massive fodder crisis, a big fodder shortage at the end of the year. Farmers need time to plan and merchants need time to plan and step up to the place, i.e. get in the seed and that type of thing. And there's no point doing this at the 11th hour. We might as well have a bit of planning put into it and that dairy guys and livestock guys can assess over the summer what the fodder stocks are and then even through uh, our office here in Port Leash we'll be able to put livestock guys in touch with tillage guys that will be able to grow some of this fodder. So they're a partnership between tillage and livestock sectors because often in agriculture and with the different uh, farmer representation organisations, people feel it's a shame to divide your energy when in fact uh, people coming together, as you're suggesting there, tillage and livestock sectors, they could solve this problem to the benefit of both. It could solve this problem to the benefit of both. And we'd like to see further down the line even maybe some of the the nutrients, the, the slurry from the dairy farms, perhaps going to the tillage farms. And again, glass participants, you haven't forgotten those. You're saying it would be essential that, you know, flexibility be afforded to glass participants to maximise the potential of the scheme you're recommending. Yes, well, at, at the minute, with, with the, the tillage guys in the glass, they are growing a fodder crop, uh, a cover crop when they uh, harvest the grain. And we'd like to see that maybe that instead of even uh, that of the choice of not only uh, a cover crop, that perhaps the grass, the Italian ryegrass of the West of Wales, would suffice as a temporary cover crop as well, which could be baled and then soiled then to the benefit of livestock farmers. Speaking to the ICSA Tillage Chairperson, Mr Gavin Carberry, and again, Gavin, we see how the global situation is changing and uh, there's no reason to believe it won't get worse. You know, we have been living for many years under a globalisation type of agenda, but now looking at the war in Ukraine, the invasion by the Russians of the Ukraine, we see how factors in one part of the world can be catastrophic for the other. So we should aim towards more and more uh, sustainability in our own country and in fact we might be going into a new kind of buzzword deglobalization, where we have to look to ourselves first of all and your catch crops that would be an example of the different sectors cooperating and preventing a problem even arising in the first place the war in ukraine has really focused minds on global food security and where our food comes from and we were always too dependent on imports. And to go back to a role that we were, but farming was a couple of generations ago when everything was self-sufficient and imports wasn't as uh, essential as they are now. And when you're dependent on, on imports like that, you see like the war in Ukraine is bringing it on. And not only that, shipping costs have multiplied four or five fold. In, in relation to bringing in imports into the country and that as well. There's a role too, instead of maybe even important soil, that there could be more farmers growing uh, beans, for example, that would f- fulfil the, uh, the soil uh, fulfilment, and that all that could be homegrown as well. And we know for a long time the environmentalists have been saying that ploughing reduces the biodiversity, the number of worms in the soil, etc. And we have measures such as the straw incorporation measure, etc. 
But regarding ploughing, it would appear that derogation firms, as I understand it, the 2022 nitrates derogation limits ploughing on derogation farms to between March 1st and the end of May, May 31st. So, in fact, that might be a factor, another limiting factor we might have to look at again in flexibility and versatility to adopt uh, and to adapt to all these later emergencies. So a ban on ploughing grassland after the end of May on derogation farms, is that something tillage members would be concerned about and would look for some kind of softening of that measure? Exactly. We're in uncertain times now, we're in a wartime situation, something that we didn't see before in 70 years in Europe. And uh, it's everybody with their shoulder to the wheel at the moment. And us in the ICSA would like to see a lot less bureaucracy and that these schemes can be implemented with the, uh, the simplest of measures at short notice. Just like, for argument's sake, there was the tillage incentive scheme there uh, that the minister brought out there in March and unfortunately it was too late for guys to get sown. It wasn't announced until the 20th of March and a lot of crops was in the ground at that stage and people had their plans done so they couldn't go back on that and that's why the the sale of uh, seed only increased by 5% whereas if that scheme had been announced at Christmas time it could have been multiples of that. Grain, I mean, this is such a valuable commodity now, and uh, if you manage to grow grain and harvest it, that is an extremely valuable product which the tillage farmers are producing. Exactly. And not only are they producing the, the grain, John, they're also producing the straw, which has become a lot of necessity as well. And unfortunately, the policy in this country has seen the area under tillage decrease by 50% since 1980. And we'd like to see that back up. I'm sure you've been in touch with the government, the ministers and the relevant departments. That's correct. And if we're getting contacted by our members at the minute, some who can't sleep at night, don't know how they're going to have enough follow-up for next winter. Particularly if the summer comes less favourable for grass growth. And uh, we want to kind of alleviate that situation now by a bit of forward planning. Well, thank you very much indeed, Mr. Gavin Carberry, the ICSA National Tillage Committee chairperson. Thank you very much for your valuable time. And we do hope that there'll be a positive response to your excellent idea about producing catch crops. And again, all en route to making ourselves more and more sustainable and to cutting down imports because we see how the situation globally becomes more and more uncertain. So thank you very much indeed, Gavin. Thanks a million. Thanks for your time, John. Thank you. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Kieran Collins, Crops Specialist, Chagas Griffin in Middleton, County Cork. First of all, Kieran, welcome to the programme. Now, some issues regarding tillage. What are the tillage crop areas this season, and has the TIS tillage incentive scheme made much of a difference to the area of crops actually sown? Uh, hi, John. I suppose overall, um, maybe a slight increase on last year, but I, I, I think not overly, not an overly big uh, increase, really. And I suppose we did have a very good back end. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In terms of October, so winter cereals are probably on a par with, preview, with the previous year, you know. Uh, and then again, we had a favourable month of, of March and into April there where it was dry for, for sowing as well. So, you know, growers tended to get what they wanted to sow sown when they wanted to do it. So, like you asked, John, then I suppose the only thing that was going to change maybe uh, the area from previous years would have been the tillage incentive scheme. Now, I suppose certainly locally, I think um, it's probably had had a limited effect, really. You know, um, the seed trade would indicate that maybe spring barley sales were up somewhere in the region of between five and seven percent, which is quite small overall, really, because, you know, if a, if a farmer increased seed rate slightly over the previous year, it, it, it would it would eat up a lot of that percentage increase. So I'd say, John, to answer your question, we're probably slightly up on on last year, but I wouldn't think it's a it's a major amount. I think the scheme was welcomed. At least it might help sustain the production output. We have situations like fertiliser and many of the people who would normally sow a certain amount of tillage cut back on that amount instead of increasing it or instead of new people taking up the concept of um, producing more of our own um, tillage and grain here. In actual fact, it may just have balanced out because the increased cost of fertiliser And for the already established people growing grain, well, they would say we should have been given some incentive, but in actual fact, uh, it may have worked out. But in all, certainly it won't give a huge boost to the grain output or animal feed output, I believe. 
yeah, I, I'd agree with you, John. Yeah, I suppose the other factor was that it did come quite late in the season. So, like, you know, from a tillage farmer's perspective, you know, it was very late and, you know, it would be very difficult to take on new land. So it was probably more of a scheme that suited maybe a mixed farmer who maybe had a, a grass field that they, they, they may wish to, to plant a crop in for the season. So if it had to come earlier, I, I suppose, in the time, it may have had made more of a difference, I suppose. And some sheep people were worrying about grazing. They were hoping that the land they normally had their sheep grazing on wouldn't be converted on too large a scale. But grain markets in general, we have the view that there's a scarcity of grain due to the war in the Ukraine. Grain markets at the moment, what are they like? And the prospects for grain price at harvest, what would you predict that to be roughly? Um, it's it's very difficult. I mean, grain markets are are literally on fire. I suppose really at the moment, it's sort of unprecedented, really, what we're seeing. Um, and I suppose, like you mentioned, there are factors like like the war in Ukraine, which obviously is is a big factor. Ukraine being a big exporting nation, but even prior to that, global supply, you know, was very tight versus demand. You know, so. These and I suppose it's exacerbated then by by obviously what's happening there in in in, in Ukraine. Um, so as I said, we, we are at unprecedented levels um, in, in in terms of the market. Uh, you know, I suppose a lot of questions are being asked now. Is you know, is there even a market there at this stage? Because you know, great grain prices are are so high, and I think the the latest predictions are for lower production, obviously in the likes of Ukraine, but also. You know, in the likes of Australia, I think the the, the market is predicted or the supply is predicted to, to fall a little bit, offset some way maybe by increases in the US and somewhat in Russia and Canada, which would be which would be um, big producing nations as well. And I think significantly, John, this week, like India um, stopped exports of grain, so again, just to protect their own internal market. So, look, the market is in a state of flux really at the moment. Um, you know, having said that, you can get forward prices, you know, and even locally in that. And, you know, forward prices at the moment would be somewhere in the region of barley in the 240s, wheat in the 260s, you know. And to put that in context, like last year, barley would have been, I think the harvest price for barley last year was around 212 euros a tonne. So we're talking 343 there today. You know, wheat last year, 220s. You know, you're talking in the 360s now. So that just, I suppose, puts it into context of of, of where we are at the moment. Um, I suppose there's not really that terrible long distance between now and harvest. So I suppose we would be hopeful from the tillage farmer's perspective that, that those prices would hold, John. Now, turning to the straw incorporation measure, SIM. So, Kiron, are many tillage farmers going to chop and incorporate straw this year under the straw incorporation measure, so-called SIM? Yeah, I, I suppose it's early days. Like the the area aid applications, really are the, will be the biggest guide into where it is. I suppose indications are from you know advisors, you know, filling in the forms and talking to tillage farmers that. Nationally, it, it, it looks like that it'll be slightly up on last year. So there was a fund there last year available of 10 million, 
euro and I think somewhere in the region of eight and a half million of that was used. So I think the expectation is that we'll get very close to that 10 million this year. I suppose the objective of the scheme is to, it's really to put carbon back in the soil. And I suppose that's very beneficial from a, a tillage farmer's perspective, you know, especially on, on long-term tillage ground. But I think also a factor as well, John, is the fact that the, the, the value of fertilizer, the cost of fertilizer is gone up. And when you do chop straw, you are obviously putting a lot of uh, mainly potash and, and, and some potassium back in the soil there as well. So I suppose the value of that chopped straw is high. And I suppose that's why maybe farmers are maybe looking at it a little bit more this year as well, you know. Disease levels. What disease levels are in crops at the moment? And is there good potential in cereal crops this year, would you say, Kieran? Um, yeah, the, the second bit of the question first, John, I think there is. Uh, the winter, bo- both winter and spring crops were all sown in, in good conditions. And, and that makes a huge difference to, to production in Ireland because, you know, when you get waterlogged or missing parts of fields, it, it does make a, a big difference. So establishment has been good up to date. Uh, disease levels, I suppose, with a dry April, so disease levels would have been relatively lower. I would have said sort of below average anyway. Now, recent broken weather has certainly changed that a little bit um, you know both from disease pressure perspective but also the inability of farmers to get out and spray some particularly the likes of spring barley now you know growers would, would like to be out in it in this stage so spraying opportunities have been few and far between in the last week so that's probably a factor but I think overall John um, disease levels are probably you know about average or maybe slightly below average but there is good potential in crops at the minute anyway yeah Regarding the nitrates directive and stubble cultivation post-harvest, there are changes to the nitrates directive concerning stubble cultivation post-harvest. Can you give our listeners here on more detail on this um, directive and any changes that have been to it, modifications? Hmm. Yeah, I, I suppose many livestock farmers, John, would be kind of familiar with some of the changes in the new nitrates directive that was signed into law there back in, I think it was in March. Um, but there are some changes there that involve uh, our concern tillage farmers as well, and I suppose mightn't be as just as widely known. Now, the caveat here is that there may be some alteration in some of these, but I suppose the, the, the principal one that we're looking at here is that all stubble must be uh, cultivated post-harvest. Now, currently, it's it's all stubble bar late harvested crops, so that might be, you know, beet or maize or maybe some late harvested cereals. But currently as it stands, you know, you have to stubble cultivate within seven days of chopping straw or within seven days of removing the straw. Um, and that's to, I suppose, to regenerate um, the likes of volunteers and that to have green cover in those fields over winter. And obviously that's related then to the prevention of, of nitrate loss from the soil. So there may be some tweaks to that, John, in terms of maybe areas that would be allowed for, for certain species of birds that feed on winter stubble. Um, and maybe maybe some alterations, but I suppose the general guiding principle there is that, and just maybe tillage growers to be aware of that, you know, within seven days of chopping straw uh, or, or baling the straw, you know, that the, the stubbles need. It's, it's just, uh, cultivated, and it's just a shallow cultivation, John, really, just to, I suppose, get those volunteers and any maybe grass weeds or that in the field growing.
as we always say to tillage farmers or any crop sector, liaise closely with your chocolate advisor and in fact your chocolate advisor will guide you along. But you've outlined there some of the main changes. Thank you very much, Nick Kieran, Mr. Kieran Collins, Crops Specialist, Chagas, Not Griffin, Middleton and County Cork. Thanks for being Kieran. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, John. The 11th World Potato Congress will be held in Ireland from May 30th to 2nd of June inclusive 2022. Mr Michael Hoey, President of the Irish Potato Federation, spoke to the Farm Talk programme about this highly prestigious event. First of all, we're very excited about being able to host the 11th World Potato Congress in Dublin uh, at the end of this month and the beginning of of June. Um, It has been a long haul to actually between the bid for to to host us here because as you know John Ireland is a food island and we're steeped in farming and food production and as you know the potato has been always um, a very integral part of the whole food uh, hub as such and going back to when Sir Walter Raleigh took the potatoes to, to Cork uh, and when he came into Cove uh, with those potatoes, and then they became the Irish staple right up until the time of the famine when the Irish people were so dependent on them and, and blight came in in the 1840s. And uh, then they've always, since then, they have been core to the Irish um, tradition as such. And we're very excited about being able to bring this Congress here. It's never been anywhere like this place before. It's always held in big countries, big producers. So, as you know, Ireland um, kicks well above its weight in the in the whole world of food. And this is part of that, I suppose. To whom do we owe the potato? I understand well over a thousand years ago, the native people of Peru were planting it and indeed still planted with some very strong gene, up to 300 strong gene species and varieties of potato. So just to confirm for listeners the origin and give credit to the people who gave us, gave the Western world and the globe, in fact, uh, potatoes. Yeah, the the potatoes did, they... um he originated from Peru and in, in the Andes there, and uh, they were cultivated down through the ages, and um, uh, they have been probably one of the most important carbohydrates in the whole world. So um, yeah, we owe them to the Peruvian people. And the last Congress, the tenth World Congress, was held in Peru in 2018. So um, that's where they come from. Yes. And the representative from Canada, I understand uh, that speaker, that contributor, will be recognising the impact of the 1845 famine on the population here and uh, the vast immigration that spurred to North America, not least uh, Canada and Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Yes, um, because uh, so many people exited Ireland at that time uh, because they were hungry here, really, and and uh, a lot of them ended up in Newfoundland. So I suppose there's a huge part to this Congress in that we have the historic part, we have the part where Ireland is aligned to so many countries, and as you well know, there's Irish people in every country in the world, especially America and and Canada. And uh, I suppose this is going to give us a chance 
to explore those pieces uh, from a historic point of view and to and to get an overall view of of how that evolved as such. Now, before we began broadcasting on air, we were talking there about opportunities for people who are interested in going along to some of yeah. the sessions of the Congress. I understand this is a very interesting and uh, not exactly over-expensive package. You might give details of where people can find out about, we'll say, for example, a one-day package or yeah. two-day package and knowledge transfer. That's an important aspect of all of this, I would imagine. Yeah, Liam Glennon and his team have put a, a, a very comprehensive range of speakers together for the, all of the days of the Congress from, from all aspects of the potato business and also the food business. So, uh, as you know, it is very expensive to host a, a Congress like this and to and uh, all we want to do is to try and break even from it. But um, what we've done for people who can go on the WPC website, have a look at the range of speakers that are there, and uh, they can go to the Congress for one day, which is being held in the RDS in Dublin, and they can come along if there's particular speakers on a particular day that interests them. Uh, they can go along for 221 euros um, for that day to the to the Congress, which will include their lunch and coffees and etc. Could you please remind our listeners the dates on which the 11th World's Potato Congress will be held in Ireland and the venue, please? It's running from May the 30th to June the 2nd in the RDS in Ballsbridge in Dublin. Uh, and the reason we chose the RDS was because it's so steeped in agricultural history. And uh, there's ties back to the famine times there and also... Uh, the Botanic Gardens in Dublin as well. So, so um, that's where it's been held, and and I think it, it will give um, an ambience to it, and uh, also because Forbia and all of the other government bodies are involved in the running of this, um, I think it, it will have a real backbone to it. If that's fair to say, John. I'm just looking briefly at some of the data I scribbled down from previous speakers. The RDS event will be hosting three full days of presentations and panel discussions. Very important for Irish yeah. people, panel discussions on the key yeah. issues dominating the potato industry, including international trade, sustainability, consumer trends, food security, very important again with the war in Ukraine, yeah. health and nutrition, innovation and development. Irish speakers include, amongst many others, Board Bia, CEO, Chief Executive Officer, Ms. Tara McCarthy, Professor Damien McLaughlin from yes. UCD, Dr. Tom Arnold, the Irish Government's Special Envoy for Food Systems, mm-hmm. Dan Milborn of Chagas, Gross from Coe's Farm, Orla Walsh, nutritionist, and many, many others. So this is a golden opportunity for people who are interested in horticulture. And, of course, members of the IFA and the public will have read some of the report commissioned by the IFA on the Irish horticulture industry. There has been great inroads made into this industry, into the producing potatoes for the, uh, the chip industry. And Tagish, along with partners in Wexford and Cork, 
that whole area have made, and as in, in County Dublin also, have made great inroads into producing these potatoes uh, equal to or better than any of the imports that's been brought in for the chip trade. So um, I think that this whole potato is evolving all the time. And, like, there is no other food that's as cheap as potatoes is for to feed Irish families. And, uh, as you know, there's no food miles on them. So um, you can't get a better food to feed your family. And because they're relatively cheap all the time, and of great value. That's wonderful news to hear that Ireland, as a country, we are now producing some very superior types of potatoes, ideally suited for chip making. It's yeah. a good example of how Ireland is able to adapt on a pretty basic type of product and then fine-tune it to compete with the world's best potatoes. And, and we've always produced the best potatoes in the world. Anybody would, that travels the world and they come home and they eat Irish potatoes, they're always better than you will eat anywhere else. So it's a, it's a golden nugget to us, really. And uh, it's one that we want to cherish for many years to come. I understand that at the Bloom, the Borbia Bloom Festival, delegates yeah. will visit the Eat Well, Live Well Garden, which will feature a specialist potato growing display and a demonstration of Irish potato cuisine in all its variety, coordinated by on Borbia. Yes, Borbia have very kindly, when we went about setting up this Congress some years ago, Borbia were very... Um, adamant that we would dovetail it into the Bloom uh, Food and Garden Festival in the Phoenix Park in Dublin so that the delegates could experience uh, how good we are as a nation um, in in producing food and uh, there's lots of artists and food producers out there, lots of really good food producers who will have the chance maybe to show their wares to, to some of these who are international buyers. And uh, and really, we want the delegates going back to every corner of the world saying, we really want to deal with Irish food producers and Irish farmers and growers uh, because we, we know that we are at the top of our game. We'll offer congratulations to the Irish Potato Federation, to On Board Beer, and all involved in attracting this unique global event to Ireland, a major coup for the Irish Potato Federation. In fact, you competed with several other countries. This wasn't just uh, Ireland taking its turn. You had to compete no. with some extremely uh, hard competition. One or two website numbers about that very attractive package made up by Mr. Glennon. Yeah, it's, it's simply the World Potato Congress website. And if you put that into Google, it will come up in front of you. And it shows all the difference. Uh, and, and I just have it here in front of me at the minute. And it tells me now that we're 11 days and 16 hours away from from the Congress as we speak. So um, so it's all there. All the information is in front of you. This industry has been struggling for quite a while. Um, at the, you know, because of rice and pasta and other carbohydrates. The message we really want to get across is, this is an indigenous Irish industry that supports Irish families. 
and we we really want to get that message across. It is great for Irish people, you know, to come to a congress like this and say this is part of our culture. Mr. Michael Hoey, President of the Irish Potato Federation, thank you very much indeed for your valuable time. Thank you indeed, Michael. Thanks a million. Mr. McCarthy, CEO, Borbia said, referring to the 11th Potato Congress being held in Ireland, she said, this event is a wonderful showcase for what Ireland has to offer as a sustainable food island. It'll provide an opportunity to demonstrate to an international audience the sustainability credentials of the Irish food and horticulture industry, which is underpinned by Origin Green, the world's only national food and drink sustainability programme. Ms McCarthy said the potato has long been synonymous with Ireland, but by hosting an event of this calibre, our industry has the opportunity to highlight the depth of knowledge and expertise available here around the production and marketing of potatoes, and also to leverage the networking opportunities for knowledge transfer and sharing between countries, which she pointed out was invaluable at a time when the agri-food sector is facing immense challenges of sustainability, inflation and global supply chain issues. Borbia, she said, was honoured to have sponsored this important gathering and looked forward to being part of the four-day event. That's Farm Talk. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony and Marie Tuig for contributing to the programme again this week. A special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.